the quality of your life is a direct result of your habits, your rhythms, your disciplines, and your practices. Who you are today, right now in this moment, is a result of your habits in the past. And who you will be in the future is a product of the practices you put in place today. We're in this last week of our four-week series called Habits and Rhythms. And each week we're looking at this picture of you in the future, this ideal version of you, and then we're asking, what is the practice? What's the habit? What's the discipline or rhythm that will get you to that person and help you become that person? Evidence shows that if you want to be happy, don't seek happiness. Seek a purpose that is greater than yourself, and you will find yourself stumbling into happiness. And I would just add this or change it and say, don't seek a purpose. Seek a person, a king. And this king will give you a purpose so great, so beautiful, so wonderful that you are willing to live and die for it. And when you have found it, then you become fully alive. Then you know a joy that can't be stolen from you. You have meaning and purpose flooding in. So today we're going to ask this question. What can you do today right now that will echo on into eternity? What can you build today that will last? That the fire cannot burn it down, but it will pass the test. An eternal purpose that offers eternal happiness and eternal hope. We're in our, our verses that we always revisit on our anniversary service. Today's our anniversary service. You know that, right? Did we talk about that? Yeah, it's our anniversary service. You can, you can like make noise about it because that's a pretty cool thing. So every year for our anniversary service, we come back to the verse, the chapter in the Bible where it all started, where we get our name from, our vision from, our mission from. All of, almost all of our values come out of Isaiah 61. Now I'm going to read four verses in Isaiah 61, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 3. God's word to us says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They, this grove, what shall they do? They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And then 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. For no one could lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone 
builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. All right, first point, aim. What's the practice? We're building something. You are designed in such a way to use this mind of yours and to use these hands to build something. We're always building something. We're building homes. We're building careers. We're building churches. We're building cities. And we are made to make. Made to make things that are beautiful and useful. And it says these oaks will be oaks of righteousness. God has planted them in the city that they are in. So that's you in the city that you are in. And they will rise up and be oaks of righteousness. And they will rebuild the ruined city that they are in. And when they do, God will be glorified. Another way to translate that phrase, God will be glorified, is his beauty will be on display. And that means when you create, when you build and when you rebuild something, you are mirroring God. Because you're made in his image and you're doing the thing that he does. Just create. So you're mirroring God. So the landscape is before you. You build, you create, and you rebuild. In fact, the emphasis here is on rebuilding because much has been lost since the fall of mankind. Since the day sin has ravaged our world. And we are called by God here to raise up the former devastations, to fix what's broken. There's an ancient Japanese art called kintsugi. And the idea is you take a broken, broken pottery and you put it back together with gold. And they're working off of this idea, this premise, this, this, like, this conviction that they're going to take the imperfections and the blemishes of this broken pottery, and they're going to build it back. And when they build it back with gold, it will be stronger than it was before it broke. That's exactly what God is inviting us to do. Actually, not inviting us. He's commanding us to do. And whenever God commands you to do something, it's for your good and for your joy and for his glory all together at once. So you're called to do this because it's what's been done to you. Because here's what's happened. God has come to take the broken pieces of us, put us back together with the gold of his love and his grace, and knit us back together, make us into something altogether new and different and stronger. And then with that strength, we go and do the same in the world around us. In every moment, you are either building something that will break and burn, or will echo on into eternity. Every moment, all the time, you are doing one or the other. Every moment has within it the fertile soil of that moment. And you carry seeds of eternal life in the pocket of your soul, and you're meant to take them out 
and blow them into this moment. So they take root. And that means that there are actually no ordinary moments. There are moments that are ripe and ready for you to do eternal things in and then build eternal things in that moment. So how do you know? How do you know if you're building something eternal or building something that's going to burn? Well, this is our next point, the threat. The greatest threat in you building something eternal is not your laziness. It's not your lack of skill. It's your want, your selfish want to build your own empire. The laziest, most unskilled worker who is seeking with a pure heart to build the kingdom of God is far more productive than the most skilled and hardest worker there is who's building his own empire. And the reason is because we're looking at bigger things. We're looking at eternal things. Here's my observation. Even in the church, very few people pick up the heavenly hammer and get to work. Usually, something like this will happen. Someone goes to church, and they're there because their life is a bit of a mess. And so they have stumbled into the church, and it's a good place to go. And there, they get their life put back together again. They have a community of people who are fighting for them. And then once their life is put back together, they're gone. Because they never realized that what God is up to is more than just fixing you. He's making you into something that builds beautiful things over all the earth. Make the switch of, like, this is not just a hospital. Like, there's a saying, like, the church is a hospital. And it's good. Like, you are healed here. But you're healed. You're blessed to go be a blessing out in the world around you. And here's what I've also noticed. I don't know if it's happening now. You tell me. Whenever I talk about like you, like bettering yourself, like this transformational moment for you to have, I've got you. You're hooked in. You stop doing everything around and you're just locked into what I'm saying. And I've got you. But when I start talking about building the kingdom of God, sometimes, and I'm not talking about you, of course, but sometimes people stare off. And their thoughts go to their worries and their concerns. Now, why does this happen? Because your kingdom is seducing you. It's luring you into the gates. And as soon as you walk in, it shuts behind you and locks and you're entrapped. What did it use to entrap you? Fear. Scared people can only think about one thing, surviving. The adrenaline of anxiety takes over and they react like frightened creatures scurrying around as fast as they can to build up this safe kingdom in these big walls so that they know that their life is going to be okay. You know, we talked about last week that God is doing something in you and he's doing something, to, he's, he's causing you to face your fears so that you will be untamed and uncaged, fully alive. And that's the type of person that builds the kingdom of God because they have nothing to fear. In the end, fear will cause you to build a kingdom of dry twigs. And when the fire touches it, poof, it's gone. 
All right, so how do you build something eternal? Well, first, first, if you want to build something eternal that's lasting, that will echo on into eternity, you have to just start trying. Like, just start intentionally trying to build the kingdom of God. Make it a habit. And when you do, you're going to realize you're, you're not wholly pure in your efforts. If you Just making the practice, the thing that you do, is going to expose your heart. And, and, but you keep doing it. And this isn't a fake it till you make it. This is a practice until you've been changed. Let me tell you something about habits in your heart. So when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind, the will, and the emotions. All of it's one. Mind, will, and emotions. And every single one of you, you have a different starting point. Like with your mind. Like, like for me, for example, I start with my mind. And then it moves into my emotions, and then I get all excited about something, and then it compels me to live differently. But different people have different starting points, and that means that if there can be different starting points, then that means you can start with a habit in your life. And if you adopt that habit, it starts to change you. It starts to transform you. It starts molding your heart into something new. So you start practicing it. And along the way... You start doing something, and then you're like, oh, wait, I'm scared. I've got to run back and go start building up my own empire. And that's where you're faced to deal with the fact that you need to face your fear with God, and he will propel you through it. All right, that's the first thing. So, so don't fake it till you make it, but practice till you're changed. Second, every day is a battle, a crossroads, because you're going to want to build your own kingdom. You're going to see everybody else building their own kingdom. They're going to be celebrating it on social media, and then you're going to start craving it. And it's going to start pulling on you like, go do it. Build your own kingdom. It's a temptation. It could be one of the greatest temptations you will always face, especially if you are someone who chases after success. So face the crossroads and ask, what will you build today and for who? Third, the seed that is deposited into the soil of every moment that builds the kingdom of God, the seed is love. The gold that brings everything, binds everything back together is love. John 15, Jesus says, he's the vine and we're the branches. And then he says this, you can do no good apart from me. Which sounds like an arrogant claim. Unless it's true. And unless... Good means something different than you think, because it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that someone who isn't a Christian can't be morally good. It means that Christ is the root. He's the gold that helps bring, knit everything back together, which means he's your only shot at building something eternal. Because he's eternal. The eternal king has come to teach us how to do eternal things. And why is love the ingredient? Love is selfless. And when something is selfless, it's naturally then life-giving and healing. And like, okay, so, so we got a lot of kiddos in here today. We hear some, a little bit of crying. So look, like if you're a parent, you know, like, like before you're married, you're pretty selfish. Then you get married and you're like, oh, I can't be as selfish as I was. And then you have kids and you're like, oh, dang. Like I have to die to myself now. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's teaching you. It's training you. Like, life has a way of teaching you how to be a kingdom builder. It's like, love 
death of self, live for others, and then you're finally alive the way you're meant to be. All right, where should you start? Oh, oh, I need to tell you this. So, so he, here's like, so before we started The Grove, b- before it was even like an idea, before there was a name, uh, bef- when it was just like tickling my mind, this idea, like long, long ago, I used to live at this house where in the back there was like this path and I would go and do prayer walks out there and it would lead up to this busy road and I would see these cars going by and and I found myself, okay, I I should probably pray. Like these are the people of the city and I should be praying for them. Like I, in one way, because I'm an ambassador of heaven living on earth, which is every Christian, I have this responsibility to, to my city. I'm representing heaven on my city, so I need to pray for these people. And then I started like dreaming of this idea of one day starting a church. And then I started thinking, I want those people to come to the church. And then I started looking at my heart and I realized, I just want them to come to the church so I'll feel good and successful. And then by doing that, what I'm actually saying is, I want those people driving by to come and serve me to make me feel good. And then I said, oh, no, I'm not ready for this. And so I kept praying and walking and looking at these cars going by. And I kept praying for them in like, just like, God, I'm sorry, my heart is messed up, until one day, finally, I looked out, and I loved those people, and I needed nothing from them. I just wanted to love them and be an ambassador of heaven living on earth, and I think if you're going to be a kingdom builder, that transition always has to happen to you, and you're always going to fight the temptation of, serve me, do this for me. Christ has already served you. You need nothing. So now you can serve. So where should you start this? We'll start with your family. Start putting back together the broken pieces of your family. Forgive where there needs to be forgiveness. Be gracious where you need to be gracious. Discipline your crazy children where there needs to be discipline. And, you know, when it feels like your family's breaking apart... Just remember what Christianity is. The whole premise is that Christ has taken the broken pieces of you, put you back together, and made you stronger than you were before. And so that means that you don't give up hope for your family. It means you know there is hope because he will put you back together stronger if you will just go to the gold who is Christ. Where else do you do this? Well, in the ordinary parts of everyday life. And if you do in the ordinary parts, those parts are no longer ordinary anymore. So take your neighborhood. You have to take the trash out. So you take the trash out. And, you know, this is the way Christianity works. Again, God brings beauty out of the ashes, and he brings love even out of you taking the trash out. Because you are an ambassador of heaven living on earth, and then you go and represent heaven when you walk your trash out. And you have neighbors who aren't loved the way they long to be loved. They don't know hope the way you know hope. And so you carry that out even when you take the trash out. Or just the things that you do with, like, if you have kids in sports. Like, here's the greatest mistake that people make with ministry. People make this mistake that I have to add something to what I'm already doing if I want to do ministry. And the answer is no to that. Take all the things you're already doing, all the things you love, all the things that God has wired you to do, and then ask this question. How can I bring goodness, beauty, and truth here where I already am? 
How can I show love where I already am? How can I offer this thing that almost nobody really experiences fully in their life, this thing called grace? What you're already doing, that's where ministry is. And then your work. So you guys thought when I was talking about building the kingdom, I was talking about the church, and I am. I'll get to that, but, but like you spend most of your time not here, and that's where ministry happens, where you're not here. So your work. You look out at all the problems of the world, and you start a business to fix the problems. You look at the problems of your neighborhood, the problems of your city, you start a business. Or you take your career that you're already doing, and you go and be a light in that place. You seek goodness in that place. You love people in that place. And the outcast that's in your workplace, you go and you sit with them. And you fight for unity in the workplace for the sake of God's kingdom. And, you know, also, you just do good work. Like, just be a good worker. Do things beautifully. You know, so God, he could have created us first, but he created us last. He could have created us first and said, watch, look at what I'm doing. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the plants and the trees, aren't I amazing? But he doesn't. He creates everything else first and then us. And he enjoyed every moment of creating. And you're made in his image. Which means when you create, when you build, you're doing beautiful things because you're made to do beautiful things. And you can have joy in doing that. You don't have to worry about who sees. God sees. Bless you. And then, yeah, share what's beautiful, but you don't have to. And when you work, don't work for riches. Work for eternal things, and God will take care of you. He's promised he will. And then, okay, the church. You can build eternal things in the church. If you teach and grow of kids, you're making an eternal impact. Like you're impacting the children in there who will one day go and make eternal impacts. That's a beautiful thing. If you're on the hospitality team, like, you are the first person that new people see when they walk into this room, into this building. You are the hand of Christ welcoming them in. Like, the word welcome, it's, it's, in Greek, it's proslumbano, and it means to grasp, like, by the neck, like, in a loving way, pull in, like, for a hug. And this is what you're doing on the greeting team. You're grasping and pulling in to the community of God. You can help on setup and teardown team if you want. There's a few people on this team who've got some bad knees. So if you've got some good ones, use your muscles for the glory of God. That's a cool thing to do, I suppose. If you're creative, you know, we're just getting started in, in um, writing these songs. But, like, we want to create beautiful things for the glory of God. So if you're a creative person, like, learn how to do that with us for the glory of God, not for your fame, but for his We're starting a special needs ministry this year. Yeah, 90% of families with special needs children that are Christians are not connected to a local church because the barriers are too great. Like, this is something that the American church has failed at. We don't know what to do. 
And you can only imagine if someone doesn't have a church background, there's no way they're going to walk into church doors. So we're starting one this year. And I haven't told you this yet. I've actually just found this out. But there's a building that is behind this building that's connected to it. There's a school there. And I met with them earlier this week, and they have graciously allowed us to use their space so we can start this ministry, which is super cool. Yeah. If, if you're in a discipleship group, this is the place where you're learning how to be a kingdom builder. And if you're not a leader in a discipleship group, but you kind of start feeling that pull from God, like tell your leader, become an apprentice leader. And soon you're investing in people who will be making eternal impacts. Like that's pretty cool. Um, the, one of the things about us, the church, that I love is that we say we want to be a place where believers and skeptics have authentic community and honest conversations about faith and doubt. And this year later, we're going to be launching our city groups, which is a cluster of discipleship groups. And, and the whole point of it is just to have a party and invite your friends that you love. And it becomes a community. If somebody's in this community that's not a Christian, then these conversations can happen. But they don't have to happen. They're just people you love, and you're just hanging out. You're just being a real person who's from heaven, living on the earth, and you're seeing what God's up to. Whatever it is you're going to do, of all of those things, start being intentional about building the kingdom of God. Because then purpose will flood into your life. You'll start seeing eternal things growing up around you. And you're going to find joy in a way you didn't think you could. All right, so there's going to be this wrestling match for your empire and God's kingdom. So how are you going to actually do it besides changing your habits? Because the habits aren't going to be enough. At some point, your heart has to completely be transformed into something new. This is our last point. You have to find, rest upon, sit upon the golden foundation of Christ. He's the golden stone that you sit upon that changes everything that you build. Now, why would it be that Christ is the foundation upon which you have to build everything, and if you don't, it's gone? Because he's the eternal king that makes all things eternal, and everything that he touches turns eternal. And so that means you can't build without him. And it means, like, he's, he's done this with you, and he's doing it with you. Like, you are buried underneath the devastation, the desolation. You are buried underneath the rubble of sin, death, and hell. You're underneath it all. And he left heaven. And he came, and every stone he removed until he got to you. And there, he became this golden foundation inside of death, inside of hell, who took on sin, and he broke open the stones, broke open the devastations, and then he sat as the golden foundation that you now sit upon. And he, when he rises from the dead, you rise up with him. And then by faith, the golden veins and vines of him start intertwining into you. And you come alive and then you start building things that are touched by him because he's in you. So now you're eternal and the things you touch for him and his glory become eternal. And you enjoy every bit of it. And you'll get to enjoy it forever. You know, Paul, he talks about the churches that he helped start. And you know what he calls them? He says, I still don't 
I just don't think I fully understand what he means. He says, you are my glory. And what I do know in part that he means is that he, he, when he is in eternity, he will look at those people and they will be his glory. They will be the beauty of what he had worked to build on the earth that represented the kingdom of God. Because he knew Christ. The healing artist that works through you to rebuild. So he might be glorified. And you might get to enjoy every bit of it forever. So I say we get to work. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us be who we should be. Help us lay our sin aside, our selfishness. Help us lay these empires that we are building and exchange them for something more wonderful, more glorious, more free, more beautiful, more eternal. Make us and remake us over and over again until we're wholly pure, fighting for you and your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. For our anniversary service, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, I want to tell you what this is because I don't think people really understand what's going on here. This is, there's, a, there's an old dead saint named St. Augustine. And he talks about the Lord's Supper as the visible words of the gospel. Which means, like, here's a picture right now of the good news that saved everything. Right here. And what is so beautiful about what we're about to do is you're not watching from a distance. The divine story is being played out here, here, and then you walk up to it. And you enter into the story. You're in the divine drama. You're swept up into it. And you're being changed by it. You're being nourished in it. So what I want to ask you to do is when we do this, that you would understand every step up here is a step of belief that this is true. It's a step of faith. But it's also a call to action. You're being nourished here so you can go out into the world to build a kingdom. So every step you're walking up, it's like, give me, God, what I need to do the thing that you've called me to do because without you, I can't do it. That's what this is about. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit through your son to be with us, to make us alive to the truth that's being spoken and acted out before us, that you are a God who has come you are a God who has been broken. You are a God who has bled so that we might be made whole. Help us to see the significance of this. Help us to be nourished, to be made alive without fear, building eternal things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. Like us on your favorite podcast provider, follow our social media at Grove Church PSL, and check out our website, thegrovechurch.co.